And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shaker Alexander and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. Will you say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort? <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck, for part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Hey, Al. Thanks for, hey, thanks for filling in last week. I thought you did a great job. Uh, thanks. Uh, who would you have taken number one overall? Oh, boy. It's such a, uh, <laughs> such a great field. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> that I would have taken Micic. Micic. Mitsich, 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 number one. Um, I, I don't know, because like my 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 thought is I want like some potential, you know, yeah, in this player, like some some upside. Um, um, and there is none, and there's none. Like Max Christie, <laughs> is that like the like highest upside player? Uh, he wasn't even available, so no. Uh, you could have had Max Lewis. Max Lewis. Yeah, I mean, I might have taken, if like a rookie like that was unpredicted, I might just take a rookie yeah. and just see. But Max Lewis probably not the guy. I honestly would have really thought about Trey Mann just because I yeah. think he's not only like a guy that I think could really, if if Trey Mann is going to work out, it's going to be because he gets an an opportunity like an expansion team that is just going to not be great and he's going to get to take 20 shots a game. Yeah. And yeah. that's where I think he could become like the Jordan Poole like, type of player that we think he can be. I don't think he can be within the confines of a team where he's like, hey, you got three shots tonight. You better make you know one or two of them, and if you don't, you're going to sit down. You know, And I'm not saying that's what right. Thunder is saying, but I just think that if Trey had – like the freedom to just go and create. And we know that he's got like this ridiculous step back and that he can handle the ball and he can do a lot of things. So I honestly would consider Trey just because I don't like who else out, out there in that pool could be somebody that could score 20 a game. Um, KPJ, uh, my first selection. Yeah. 50 once upon a time. Uh, KP KPJ is an interesting one. I just culturally would never take him. <laughs> just well, you're wrong. He's a leader now, and he's he's leading the guys, and he he loves being in a leadership position. He's just not playing point guard anymore. Yeah, That's the only sure. 
difference. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, if you if you look at, I don't know, I mean, I, I haven't listened to it yet, but Bill Simmons and Rosillo did an expansion draft. Yeah. And they just did it incorrectly. Copycats. Yeah, they did do uh, it incorrectly. I listened to about half of it, and um, yeah, because back up. Like uh, Quentin Grimes was the number one overall pick. There's no way he would ever be unprotected. There's n- zero if, chances if, he would ever get if you up. if you do it correctly. Same thing with Kenrich Williams. It was the second overall pick. Never is yeah. going to happen. Xavier Tillman was fourth. He's not eligible. Yeah, not he's eligible. Not even eligible. Yeah. So they they just didn't do it correctly, and as a result, it's uh, bad. It's okay? bad. It's bad, and we're and we are going to do. Please it listen at, to ours for the most accurate yeah. one, and we're actually going to need do an even more accurate. We're going to get even more accurate. We're gonna we're gonna drill down on the athletic NBA show. So tune <clears> in for that next Friday. So there's actually like a lot of prep that <laughs> that will go into making this a reality, and a lot of people that it's going to take to make it a reality. But we're going to make it happen. I think it's going to be really fun. I think that's going to be a really fun exercise. Um, okay. Al, rebuild, replenish Hall of Fame nominations. Yeah, you wanna you wanna go first? Sure. Uh, so so far, uh, we had pre G League rookie Poku. Yeah. We had the Daniel Oturo game, mm-hmm. and we had the Thursday pod. Yep. I feel like we don't need to say any more about any of those. Yeah, we all get it. It's great. Uh, this one's going to be a really positive one for me. Okay, and it was. Shea's first game winner. Yeah. Because it was the first game of the season. Yeah, the Hornets game. Of that abbreviated season. It was on December 26th. It was yep. the first game of the season. And it was in Charlotte. And Shea hit the game winner. What I forgot going back was that they had blown like a huge lead in the final couple minutes. They were up by 13. They were up 102.89 with one minute and 50 seconds to go. That part I did not remember. And Miles Bridges scored 11 of his 14 points in the final minute. Miles Bridges. Miles. Including a trio of threes in the last 25 seconds. Wow. And his final three tied it at 107 with 10.3 seconds left. And that's when Shea came up the floor, hit a jumper over Caleb Martin. Hey. Uh, um, And, uh, yeah, I just felt like that that – was an important moment, especially for it to be the first game of the season, because we're coming off of that season with the three guard lineup. Now CP three's gone. Now Schroeder's gone. And we know that it's going to be Shea's team going into the season. And as good as he was in the previous year, he was also playing with like two really good point guards, um, two point guards who would go on to be starting point guards for other teams. Yeah. With the Lakers and the Suns. True. And so for him to come right out of the gate, and have a game like he did. Because, I mean, he hit the game winner, but he also had, let's see here, let's see here, let's see here. He had uh, 24, 7, and 9 mm-hmm. first game. Um, I just thought that was like a really important moment. We're going to talk about a question later that was on Reddit, which was like, what was a opinion that was unpopular a few years ago, but is now widely accepted? And the first one came to mind, and a lot of other people suggested it, is kind of around this idea of how we thought about Shea, Mm -hmm. like where he might be in a hierarchy on a future good team. And I think that's a really good one, and we'll talk about that later. But this was a game where you got your first kind of glimpse of him running the show, him being the man, and him taking 
those type of shots that we would then see him take a lot more often going forward. Yeah, it really was a great glimpse into the future for him. And it also felt like, no, we're supposed to lose these games. Yeah, going back through the uh, the the like button of the box scores. Yeah. Um, because the, the game that I almost brought up, which uh, isn't that memorable in retrospect, which is why I went this game, but they won three games in a row in their first ten games. New Orleans, and then they went to New York, New York and Brooklyn, and beat them both back to back. Yeah, yeah. And that. that kind of both terrified us because by that point they were now five and four, and we were like, "What? What is going on?" Yeah. But also it, that those two games kind of set off the like OKC is just amazing every time they go to New York. Yeah. Theme, which has been a theme now for a couple of years. Uh, but yeah, I, I went with the game winner because it's very memorable. This was back when uh just we're just a few months from Top Shot popping off. Oh my word. And yeah, uh, I remember that shot. I bought that shot as a moment. And uh <laughs> it's probably worth a penny now or perhaps a dime. But I think I still have it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. I was thinking like, I I was thinking about Top Shot the other day too. Just how remember how ridiculous it was? Like how much some of those moments are going for, like tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, I mean, this is super embarrassing, but I'll I'll tell it. Okay. Um, so I didn't spend. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. It was it was the pandemic, so like nothing mattered. I did deposit a thousand dollars into Top Shot. Wow. Okay. Okay. And I bought, and I bought stuff. There was a day when my Top Shot account was worth seventeen thousand dollars. And I did not do anything because in a pandemic wow. brain at that time, it just felt like this is going to go up forever. Well, these could be worth anything. Wow. That is not the, what happened, folks. Now, luckily, I, I took, I did get out uh, before I lost any money. So that was good. I actually made a little bit of money, but yeah. not as much money as some people did. And, yeah. uh, in retrospect, it's like, what was, what did I think was really going to happen? Like 17,000? I thought it was going to go higher than that. I could have gotten like a new car at that time. Yeah, new car. A little buggy. I think you thought you were going to pay for your kid's college education on these. And I didn't have these. a kid at the time. Yeah. Uh, now, there was a down to dunk listener who came up to me at one of the live shows. It was like, hey, you talking about Top Shot when you did ended up making me a lot of money. And he actually donated. <laughs> to a charity in my name because he had done that well. Wow. And uh, yeah, so I'm glad somebody somebody made out like a bandit. <laughs> wasn't me. <laughs> I I made a little bit of money. I made like a thousand bucks. So like nothing crazy. But I think that's exactly what I made. Yeah. 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 I did not I did not dive it as deep into it as you did. I had I had actually the people at Top Shot sent me packs to open. And one of the packs they gave me had like a really valuable one in it. And that's the one that I sold. I think I still have a bunch of them. I have not looked at it in a long time. But Oh, man. Um, uh, we, we, maybe we should do a Top Shot stream like three years later. <laughs> You're going to open some packs? The values will be like negative. Like we actually owe money. <laughs> we have, we owe money these right moments. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I owe money on this Dort Top Shot now? <laughs> um, okay. I would like to make a a nomination for an honorable mention. 
that I don't necessarily, you can tell me if you think this should make it or not. Cause I don't, I don't <laughs> think it quite makes the cut. Vrenz Blyenberg, I think is a really, <laughs> a really funny one that I don't think would necessarily make the shirt, but I think uh-huh. is just a, a funny one in retrospect, just because he was like the second round pick that was like, it's like big European player that could kind of do a little bit of everything. And yeah. then kind of what makes me want to nominate him are just the interactions that I personally had with him online. Like we DM'd quite a bit. He would ask me to send a screenshot of where he's going in mock drafts. <laughs> <laughs> he also told, he said, please tell Presty to take me. <laughs> One message. That's tight. And he came on he came on the pod. Um yeah. and that was just a really funny one. Um still not in the NBA. He went was he even does does anyone have his rights or he is just I don't think he's so. a free man. I think he's a free man. Okay. Um so anyways, that's one that I don't think would necessarily make it, but I think is hilarious. Uh one I will. Well, uh, hold on a second. I was just reading his. Uh, I was on his Twitter. Uh huh. Whatever team he's playing for, he got the Finals MVP. Ostend. Oh. Okay. Yeah, he, he, they were the champs. The effing champs. He says here. <laughs> he was the Finals MVP. Wow, wow, wow. So he's doing pretty well. Yeah. Good. And now he's in Turkey, apparently. Yeah. I heard there were some personality things with friends. Hmm. Which. You may or may not have, could tell by the uh, the interactions that I <laughs> that I had with them. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, okay, my true nomination is. Oh wait, really quick, really oh, yeah, quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. So some somebody on Twitter called Harden UTD, which I'm guessing they are a uh, Rockets fan. They posted like a tier of NBA fans. You know, like elite fans, mostly elite average. Do they even have fans? And then delusional clowns. And this person put the thunder in the delusional clowns wow. category. Okay. Okay. All right. Vrins quote retweeted it, said, Come on now, OKC fans, better, 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 greater sign, greater sign, greater sign. So he still loves us. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Hey, maybe Vrins will end up on the blue at some point. Man, that is like a lifelong friendship that, uh, we somehow hey. made with a guy that like wasn't even drafted by our team. <laughs> he still loves OKC. That's great. Yeah. So shout out to friends. I don't know that he makes the shirt. Do you? Know, I mean, I don't think he should. Do you think he should? Uh, probably not. Someone asked if friends has a top shot. I don't think he does. Unfortunately, <laughs> you're not gonna get a friends top shot. Um. Okay. My true nomination is a moment. That should have been of elation, but it was of intense frustration. And it is the Isaiah Roby game winner. This mm. was uh, this was against the Portland Trailblazers, March twenty eighth, twenty twenty two. We are, I mean, the Thunder are losing just tons and tons of games. I, it's it's great, you know. They've, I think they've lost. I think they they've only won one game. They won against Orlando, but the last like. 13 games. They've all lost. Great. We're on track. We are losing to this Portland Trailblazers team that is also trying to lose. And they're, we're pulling it off. 
I mean, the Blazers are starting Keon Johnson, Brandon Williams, who had 25 and 12 in this game, Drew Eubanks, who had 27, 14, 3, 3, and 2 in this game. Now the Suns uh, backup center. That's right. Uh, ben McLemore had 28 points off the bench. It was a perfect recipe just to lose the game. And somehow, Isaiah Roby ends up with the ball at the end of this game and hits a three to win it. And fans were legitimately frustrated with him online. And like it got back to him. And he was also like, just like, what the heck? Like, why is everybody mad at me for winning this game for the Thunder? Uh, in this game, the starting lineup was Teo Maladone, Aaron Wiggins, Veet Krejci, Poku, and Isaiah Roby. Uh, Aaron Wiggins had 28, 5, and 6 that night. Teo had 23 points, 10 boards, 5 assists in this game. Roby had 38 and 4 with 2 steals and 2 blocks. We had Olivier Saar, Lindy Waters, and JRE coming off the bench. Maybe it should have been a little red flag that JRE got the least amount of minutes of all of these guys. Um, anyways, uh, Isaiah, the Isaiah Roby 3 because I just remember how crucial it felt. Like, we're into late March. These games feel heavier than they did earlier in the season. And to win that game just felt, it felt gross. It felt frustrating. And so, the Isaiah Roby game winner. Yeah, I was I was at this game uh, in person in Portland. And uh, it was very funny, because most, most Blazers fans were just rooting for the Blazers, but there were two guys in front of us and the guy I was with who were rooting for the Thunder, because they understood the stakes for the Blazers as well and wanted them to keep tanking. Yeah. And uh, so it just made for a very ridiculous game uh, in our little section. But yeah, that game went into overtime, and the what I always remember is there was a play, it was either at the end of regulation or at the end of overtime, where the Blazers could have tried to like get a decent shot and just made zero attempt. Like it was the most blatant tanking play I had seen. And I like couldn't believe it. like they weren't even really trying. It was like a very lazy inbounds pass and then like a few dribbles and then he shot it as if there was like zero chance. But but if it was a normal game, like they absolutely would have tried <laughs> to throw it a little bit longer. They would have run something mm-hmm. and they did not run anything. They just wanted the game to end, and it was uh, very upsetting uh, watching it live because in my head I was like, okay, maybe they can still hit like a miracle shot. Yeah. And they like barely tried to do it. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was very frustrating. Uh, but it was, I mean, it was a fun game overall. It was one of the f- more fun games I've ever been to because yeah. it was so stupid. Yeah. Uh, Great Pape asked, did you ride your bicycle home from that game? Or was that a different one? Uh. I did not ride my bike. I rode my car, but our two friends that we were with rode their bikes, and my friend got hit on the way home uh, by a car, and I just happened to be driving by at the exact moment. And so we like pulled over, and she was fine and everything. But yes, it, it definitely like heightened the experience of that night. Wow, you really um, will never forget that night. <clears throat> yeah, because we had to call the cops because like she got hit and like knocked her down, and then the person drove off. Um, and and the cops, I, if I remember correctly, the cops came and were like, "Oh yeah, we heard about this guy." So apparently, he had done like something else, and they eventually did get him. But what in the world, because my friend actually got. Now I'm thinking about it. She got something in the mail like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that, like 
it it's still ongoing because you know they they put your name in the the file and you get like updates on the case or whatever yeah and they were asking her for some input on something uh so yeah i guess that's still going <laughs> like two years later <laughs> so weird so yeah weird. uh shout out to our buddy ryan nix watching live from bangkok wow nice. what time is it in bangkok i love time <laughs> let zones let's know about the times and speaking of time zones what about fiba are you excited about some fiba basketball al uh i'm i would say i'm moderately excited i'm not super interested in the u.s team yeah there's not a lot of guys that get me going um i think yeah. for knicks fans we're probably super pumped they gotta be jalen brunson lead the team uh, I am excited for Canada, who yeah. does play today. They yeah. play at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, yep. 12.30 OKC time. Yep. Uh, I think they're playing Germany as like a prep game. They have five of them. I was looking at their schedule mm-hmm. before, the, before the actual tournament starts. Yep. They seem very good. I mean, they have a lot of NBA players, especially if Jamal Murray plays, which it seems like he will. He just has to get back into shape. <laughs> I saw a quote from him that was like, yeah. I did my first two a day, and it was not good. But he's like healthy. He just needs to get in shape. And so you have him, SGA, RJ Barrett, Lou Dort. I mean, they got some guys. Trey Lyles. Yeah. Joseph. Uh, so, yeah. Nice I mean, squad. I think I think Canada's going to be pretty good. And I'm kind of interested to watch them. Yeah. Uh, even more than the... Uh, man, I, if, if the select team had been the U.S. team, I'd be like so much more interested. In I know. It. Even like remove the Thunder players from it. You know, yeah, yeah. If 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 I was just watching like Cade and Jalen Green and Jalen Duran, like that's way more interesting to me. Yeah, that kind of than whoever I'm about to watch. I know. I feel the same way. I mean, I get. I mean, Anthony Edwards will be fun. Yeah, Edwards is cool. But like the rest of the group is just kind of like, like Jalen Brunson's a good player. Like, don't get me wrong, but boy, like that's not like that's your team leader. I'm just like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, I like Cal Bridges. I mean, all these guys, all these guys, are good cool. players, like very good players, like all star level, very good players. I guess I, I guess I just want more of a mix. Um, you know, like someone like Walker Kessler got to make it. Um, who's? I mean, he's good, but like I, I would have rather some of the other like first and second year players make it. Yeah, I get that they're trying to like form a team that is actually a team. Yeah, but they tried to do this in 2019. They got seventh place. In the tournament, yeah, so just I'm, just all stars, max I mean, out just, stars. Just get the, just take the players that are really good that are. I wonder for if sure they better. feel dumb too, having watched Cade in the practices. Be like, hmm, probably should. Well, no, no, no. Cade turned it down. Oh, he did. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah. Cade, it was offered, and he turned it down. He just wanted to embarrass them. He just in these in these <laughs> pretend games. <laughs> well, like somebody, even like J Dub, and I know that we're biased, and we've seen J Dub more than anybody else, but. I just think a play, like a big, versatile player like that, I think is more valuable than a guy like Walker Kessler in a tournament like this. Like, how much are you yeah. really going to play Kessler? I think those versatile wings are are way more valuable. So that's that's where I just don't quite get it. Um, but you know, Jalen Brunson, Halliburton, Anthony Edwards, Brandon Hall- Ingram, Triple J, like that. I mean, that's that's a good unit. I mean, they'll they'll have good rotation well their group is really easy too so like they'll win their group very easily it's like yeah. what what do they look like against canada or even against australia which um 
our guy Olgan had, had put this article out today for ESPN Australia and wrote that on the Australian boomers leaning all the way into Josh Giddy as its lead guard, um, that it's like, he said it's like Andrew Gaze, which is a Australian legend. Um, he said that everything has to be built around Josh. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. So that'll be that'll be definitely worth watching. Yeah. And then uh, Garuba, going to have to watch some Spain. Hey. See how Usman's looking. You still feeling high on high on the Garuba supply? Compared to my options? <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, n- really, nothing else is going on in the league right now. Like, we've got FIBA. We're still waiting on a Dame trade, which will inevitably happen, and he'll inevitably end up on Miami. And, you know, everybody yeah, it's will, been nice. I've been loving out. it. Yeah, so yeah, it's nice to just watch other things and do other things for a little while. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I don't, I'm not begging for things to happen. Um, Okay, anything else before we take a break and move on to our top five rewatchable games? No. Okay. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfum. A long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. And we're back after that quick break. Uh, this next segment comes from listener Luke Stevenson, not Luke Stevens, Luke Stevenson, at our Luke. Luke Stevenson. Luke Stevenson. Luke has a son, and he is 13, 
and he's been hanging around for a while. And he's a huge fan. (laughs) He's a huge fan of the pod. More than Luke. He listens. He actually listens to the other pods the rest of the week. (laughs) At rluke underscore 406 uh, gave us this idea. So we are going to talk about the top five most rewatchable games from this past season. Uh, Al, do you want to go first? We can just kind of go back and forth. Yeah, um, yeah. Luke is wanting to rewatch old Thunder games. <laughs> Luke's son, uh, which to is, be clear, Luke's son. If this is something you want to do as well, uh, we made a little list for you. And me and Andrew have not uh, talked about this, so we, we kind of wanted to see which games. I think, I think, in my opinion, Andrew, I think four of them are obvious. Okay. After I went through, well, then we probably have some overlap. <laughs> yeah. Unless unless you didn't include this one just because it wasn't in the season. But number one, I'm going to start with the play-in game. Yeah, this is on my list as well. It is okay. highly rewatchable. Yeah, I think... I mean, that was probably the most important game. It definitely was the most important game of the season. Yeah. And the way they showed up in that game where we... Going into it, we just didn't really know what to expect because we're playing on the road against a team who has been to the playoffs recently when they played the Suns. And... I just didn't know how it was going to go. And so many guys came out of that game with just flying colors, A plus yeah. across the board. I mean, Giddy was the big story because he had 31, 9, and 10 and got to the line seven times. And had never scored 30 points in a game ever before. And that was yeah. the one that he did. Yeah. Um, Dort obviously was amazing. He was 27 points with four threes. Yeah. And then Shea, who. I kind of forgot his line was this good because in my head, I'm always thinking about Herb Jones when I think about the Pelicans and who does play him very well. Plays him great. But Shea Shea had 32 points on 50% from the field, eight of eight from the line. So, I mean, I guess maybe for Shea, that was a little bit of a down game. He only got to the line eight times. He only got to the line double digits a lot of other times, but he still put up like an incredible line. Yeah even though he was guarded by Herb Jones for a lot of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a fun game because it came down to the end. It got nervy, and you worried, like, oh, no, is this the end of everything? And the fact that they were able to survive for one more game just made it so much fun. Yeah, and Shea hit that baseline jumper, like fadeaway yeah, jumper. Yeah, yeah. That was just like, wow. I mean, that was kind of what iced the game. Uh, Jay Will had an incredible game, too. He had 8-8-8 eight, eight, and eight in that game. And just contribute like he hit a big three down the stretch. He missed the rest of his threes, but he hit a big one down the stretch <laughs> that really helped propel them. That was just a it was a that was a big time game from them. They had a monster third quarter too. I think they were down heading into half or it was like really close and they had a monster third quarter and then just kind of had to hang on. But like Ingram was really good, Valanciunas. Like that's what a lot of people were afraid. Like, is Valanciunas just going to eat in this game? He had 16 points, 18 boards, three assists. I mean, that was insane. He did a little eating, a little eating, but yeah. nothing. Yeah, nothing crazy. You. Only had nine attempts. I remember that was kind of a big deal that they only got him nine shots, which is kind of like an ongoing issue if you talk to people that cover the Pelicans. Like, they just don't go back to him in ways that maybe they should. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree. That's one of mine. I another one of mine is this Thunder Blazers game. I don't know if this is was on your radar. It was uh if is it the one in December? Yeah. Yeah, because there were two of them. 
So this they were is back to back. December nineteenth, the Thunder won one twenty three to one twenty one. Um, and I have some, I have like a, a clip from this game that I okay. just kind of shows you how crazy the ending. Was. Down by a point. The ball is in the hands of Lillard. He'll move quickly. Charges right down the lane. Oh, what a reverse for Damian Lillard to put Portland back on top. For SGA, Portland does have a timeout left to advance the basketball. Now we're tied at 119. One more for Shea. These calls just humongous. The charge, the turnover, and the second free throw is good to give OKC the 120-119 lead. Here is Lillard. Portland not using its timeout. Lillard going to work on Dort. Drives in. Had it pop up, and it's a turnover by the Blazers. And J-Dub is fouled. And run right into Lillard as J-Dub's first free throw is good. Two-point game. I'm a little surprised that Hart would be running in when he needs to be standing out of the three-point line. Yeah, that's a good point. Tucker's able to come up with that loose ball, too, equally. Off the turnover by Lillard. So Portland did not use its timeout. Now they will. But the free throw is missed. Lillard with the rebound, and there is the timeout. Winslow, the trigger man, to Lillard. Lillard going for the two on the reverse, and he spun it home. And it's a 121-121 game. Big thing here is where the Thunder catch this. Shea gets it, spins away, baseline shot. Shea puts it in and walks it off in OKC. Kissing the Blazers goodnight. The Shea game winner was just, it's one that kind of gets forgotten a little bit um, for whatever reason. And the thing to me that stuck out that I remember from this game is just the way that Dame ended up like killing the Thunder was by going inside and like hit some just like impossible looking layups in this game um, to put the Blazers up in those moments. But big time shot there from Shea. Another like baseline fadeaway shot that's kind of going, I think it's kind of becoming his signature. He finished with 35 points, two boards, six assists, a steal, and two blocks. Uh, double digits from six other players, including J-Dub, Dort, Wiggins. Wiggins started in this game. Poku started in this game, didn't have double digits, but then Kenrich, Isaiah Joe, and Mascala all had double digits off the bench. This was also during the stretch of time where Darius Baisley was not playing games. Uh, we kept asking Mark about it, and it got a little awkward. Um, <laughs> Dame had 28 points. Anthony Simons had 19. Jeremy Grant had 26, 8, and 3 with two steals. Um, just a crazy ending to that game. Very rewatchable. Just like a very like dominant shape performance. And this is also a turning point in the season uh, for both of these teams, actually. Because Blazers came into this, the, this series against them, this two-game series, 17 and 13. Yeah. They were still riding high from the beginning of the season. They had had some game winners. They had that Jeremy Grant game winner. I think it was against the Suns. And like they were still feeling like really good. It's it's crazy that they were at this point. You forget the Blazers being good and being yeah. like a normal playoff team and then the way they fell off. But the Thunder, like they were 11 and let's see. They Eight, were 11 and 18. 18. Yeah. I mean, it felt uh, like before, we were. Yeah. Go ahead. Before the. Uh, the Memphis game. So they won the Memphis game and then they won both of these games back to back against Portland. So they had this three game winning streak and you look at the rest of their 
uh, game log, and that that really did set it off because before that Memphis game, they had lost five in a row. Yeah, I mean at that point they're eleven and eighteen. I'm sure we were talking about tanking. Um, well, Shane Giddy like, didn't play in that Memphis game either, and it felt like yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, like we're we are really going into tank mode. We are gonna we're in the Wimbenyama sweepstakes now. And then they won that game, and it was like what the heck. And it was like twenty three from Isaiah Joe, twenty four from Dort. J Dub only had one point in that game, which feels weird in thirty minutes. Um, he was zero of eight from the field. You know, if, if you if you just said that sentence and said, "Hey, the Thunder are playing Memphis, who's starting Ja, Triple J, Stephen Adams, Dylan Brooks, and John Conchar, and there's no Shea, no Giddy, and J Dub goes zero of eight from the field," you think like, "Oh yeah, they're gonna lose." Like, but they beat them by a significant margin. <laughs> I mean, it was just weird. And it just felt like, and they did this multiple times last season, where you thought that it was, okay, now the turn is happening. Yeah. And then they would roll off a couple wins, and a lot of them were impressive wins. Yeah. Like, oh, all right. Well, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> we had to keep, we had to do we, that we so many like times. Five times. So many times. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, It there was like, weird patterns i mean even if you just go to like basketball reference and you just look at how they do the uh the green and red like for wins and losses there's just like not there's no consistency throughout the entire thing i mean it's just up and down and up and down and up and down which is like basically just says like we're a young team that has a ton of talent and is obviously very is like a good team but still there's like just these really terrible rough patches i mean they lost five in a row after the all-star break and like just couldn't buy a win. And then, yeah, one of the games that they won, I actually have as a nomination here, but I'll, uh, I'll circle back to you. Um, okay. So the next one, another one that I think is obvious. So might as well get out of the way is the LeBron game. Yeah. Uh, February 7th. This game was significant for a bunch of reasons. Obviously LeBron was the reason anyone was watching, because he was breaking uh, Kareem's record. But for the Thunder, it was only their second national TV game, and the previous one, which is not going to make this list, yeah, at no, Miami was brutal. maybe the worst game of the season. I mean, it was close. But Started was Eugene Omarui in that game at center. And Jimmy just destroyed us by a thousand paper cuts yeah the free throw free line throw was just like, after another. oh my gosh it was it was so hard to watch you felt bad because because you get to that game and you're like finally the world is going to get to see this thunder team and how much fun they are this is going to be great and then it, it became one of the most boring games of the season <laughs> yeah luke do not watch that game yeah don't, uh, do not this game though man this is a great game because you know, let's ignore. I mean, this game was way bigger than the Miami game nationally. Oh yeah, and for them to play the way they played in this game, while while also having to like withstand this extended stoppage of play yeah. when when LeBron finally broke the record, and to come back and still close it out, and everyone played well. Like yeah. Giddy had twenty, J Dub twenty five, SGA thirty. All three of those guys shot over fifty percent from the field. Yep. Jay Will, and this was one of his kind of early games playing significant minutes, getting 14, 7, and 7. Um, he had entered the lineup, but for him to do that in his rookie season as a starter mm-hmm. on this big of a stage was super impressive. There was no Dort in this game. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think that is one of the more memorable games. And each of these games like that I've picked so far, like the New Orleans game and the LeBron game, and even your game, based on how they were playing previously, they're all these games where they just exceed expectations. Whatever yeah. you it, were expecting of them going in, they're going to far surpass that. Yeah. And, and sure. they consistently did that over and over again this season. Yeah. That was such a fun game to watch. Because they didn't win. It wasn't fluky. Like, they didn't win a fluke game. Mm -mm. They genuinely were better than the Lakers that night. Mm -hmm. And with everything going on, we're able to shut it out, and everyone performed well. Like, no one wilted in the spotlight. Yeah. And Russ was still on that team, too, who played played really well that night. Yeah, I forgot Um, about that. Russ coming off the bench for the Lakers in that game. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, they had just started to reform their roster a little bit. Like, Pat Bev was still on the roster, but, like, they had Rui. They just, like, made the trade for Rui, who started. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that was big. It was good. I think people recognized, like, J-Dub. That was a big moment for him. Obviously, a massive moment for Shea, just because of the way he played down the stretch. And then Giddy was great. Joe was great. That was a, that was a very fun game. And it was cool because you knew the next day – that the topic of conversation on every show or podcast or whatever was going to be about LeBron breaking the record. But then, like, you knew that just, like, in the background, they were always going to be talking about, but this Thunder team. Tell me about what you thought about this Thunder team. You know, and so Thunder fans just the whole day got to kind of bask in that a little bit. So that was really, really cool. Uh, Okay, another nomination. Early on in the season... Uh, the Thunder played the Dallas Mavericks, and they had just so they came off the uh, the back to back home wins against the Clippers, but still hadn't started the season very well. This game looked like it was going nowhere until Isaiah Joe, who had just really not played until this game entered and got the green light and won the game for them. Second defender again at Gilgis Alexander. Isaiah Joe underneath. And a layup falls for Darius Baisley, who has 15 points tonight. Wore out Memphis that night, winning by 41. But they've been in a dogfight tonight with the Thunder as Isaiah Joe under the defense. Oklahoma City has two timeouts. They're not taking one. A three-point game. Isaiah Joe ties it. He's got it right now. That'll help. Took his eye off the ball. Isaiah Joe. out of his hand. Uh-oh. Isaiah Joe calling for it. Man. What did Dallas do to this guy in the pass? <laughs> I, I wanted to find the Dallas um, commentator just because they're just like, <laughs> the ball hits Joe's hands there in overtime. They're just like, oh, no. <laughs> they just they're, they're very uh, nice and appreciative of how good he was doing. He was so good. That game was unbelievable. Because it it was a game that I promise you, many many people just turned off. Like they just thought, yeah, there's no there's no way like we're winning this game. And I think they were down thirteen. It just felt like, yeah, this is over. And then they just put Joe in. He only played in this game. Joe played nine minutes and four seconds. And had well, the crazier part points. is that he only had three threes. Because in my memory, it's like he must have hit five threes. Yeah, he only had four shots. Yeah. But he hit all of them. <laughs> he hit every single one. Got went to the free throw line. Hit four free throws. I mean, he hit. He was a hundred percent from everything. Had fifteen points. 
two boards, one assist in nine minutes in this game. Just crazy. And it was at the this was also a game where no J Dub, no Giddy in this game. Uh J Dub played in this game. Oh, he came off the bench. That's why I'm not seeing him. Yeah, yeah. This was yes. yeah, this is how early it was in the season. I'm looking this at the This was actually lineup. like his first good game because yeah. he played five minutes in the opener, then didn't play for their next four games. Because he broke and then his face. He got 26 yeah. minutes in this game and had 13, 3, and 3 with four steals. Yeah. And the next game, which they would play in Orlando, would end up being his first start of the season. So That's this right. is this game, in addition to being the Isaiah Joe game, was also like the first good J dub game. Yeah. That we saw. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other crazy thing, I think this game is worth watching just because I feel like all the rest of the ones, especially the ones I picked, are towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of fun to go back and see what Mark was doing early in the season. Like the fact that J-Dub was coming off the bench after having not played for four games. Like there was no giddy. Fourth straight start for Trey Mann yeah. in this one. Yeah. Like we, we, I do think it's a good reminder that like, Yes, we were hyped for Trey Mann, but also like he was playing minutes at the beginning of the season, and and he was playing well in a lot of those games. So that that whole thing with Trey Mann kind of got off to a good start. It just later kind of fell off. But yeah. yeah, I think I think those three games, the play-in LeBron game and the Dallas game, are like locks. Yeah, 100%. and and then it's like where you go with your last two. Yeah, so. One of my last two is the Sixers win, okay. which I think might actually be their best win of the season when you factor in the opponent because this was only two nights after playing that national TV game against Miami, which was a miserable game. Miserable. And so they have to fly from Miami up to Philly. The Sixers are healthy. After this loss, Philly would win seven straight. That would become 14 of 17. That would become 23 of 29. Like after this game, Philly would go on a crazy winning streak. They weren't on a back to back. They weren't returning from a road trip. Their previous game was also in Philly. And the Thunder came in against a fully healthy, like James Harden played well. Uh, Joel Embiid had 30 and 10. Like it, it wasn't fluky in any way. And they win 133 to 114. Crush Just like them. blow the doors off the Sixers. Mm-hmm. SGA has 37 points, 16 to 16 from the line. It was just a wildly impressive game. Another one where you're just not expecting it because they're on a road trip. They just had a tough loss against Miami. And you're playing a healthy Sixers team who's about to go on this like crazy run. I mean, they were the, one of the best, if not the best, second half team of the last season. Um, and for them to do that against a healthy Sixers team was just very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, they were awesome in that game. Trey Mann was really good in that game, if I remember right. Yeah, he had 14 points off the bench. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was, it was a very impressive. It was one of those where you're just waiting the whole time for the Sixers to just like snatch the game from them. And it just never happened. Like they were just really, really good. I think they, yeah, the second quarter, they beat them 32 to 22 and then essentially just kept a hold of the lead the rest of the game. And yeah, that was a very impressive win. Very impressive win. Uh, okay, another nomination for me is. This is a this is a game that I would say is a, a glimpse into the future, if you will, where they played against the Utah Jazz at home. They had lost all of their games out of the All Star break heading into this game. I think they lost five in a row, and then they won 
they played two games against the Jazz at home. They won both of them. This is the second one that they played against the Jazz. And what was just so impressive was just the way that Shea, J-Dub, and Giddy all played. J-Dub and Shea both had 30 in this game, which I think makes it really fun to watch. And then Giddy had 24-9-9 in this one. So this was just like a really fun game to rewatch just from the standpoint of, hey, these are like the guys. This is like the three of the four guys that we think are going to be the core of the roster. And they're just performing at such a high level. Shea was 17 of 19 from the free throw line in this game. Uh, J-Dub had 32 points on 15 shots. And they were just ultra impressive against Utah. And Utah in this game was not great. <laughs> like they were not they were not playing well and they played a lot of players that just didn't deserve to play games. Like a, a lot more Johnny Juzang than than you would think in this game. Um but the Thunder like stars played well. It's like a, a fun late season game to watch. Um yeah, so that's I think that's plenty of games for Luke. I had one more game, which was the Knicks game, where the Knicks scored 48 in the first quarter. Yeah. You wouldn't want to watch that. But uh, after that, it was a very good game for the Thunder, and everyone played good. In fact, JRE had 17 points in that game. Yeah. But they outscored the Knicks 86 to 58 over the second and third quarters. They scored 43 points in both the second and third quarters. So wow. it was just an offensive explosion. That was the giddy, 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 giddy game. That was the giddy, giddy, giddy game. Uh, so yeah, so I, I think those are well, some good highlights. Well, we got it. There's one more that you that we have to include. What you have, like you just have to. I can't believe that you didn't that we haven't said anything about this yet. It's the Wizards game winner. Uh, you don't remember this? Okay, I've got I got I some footage. Here we go. Two to tie, three to take the lead. Shea checks, steps back, three point shot on the way. Is good with 1.1 seconds left. Did I just say that the Thunder have been stellar in set pieces? And if you want to see a set piece executed to perfection, this is it. I mean, you got to put the balls in the hands of the right man. And the right man is that man right there in blue wearing number two as he just splashes the tray ball. Almost like. You don't remember that? This is early. Even rewatching it now, I. I have no memory. Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, this is early. This was early on in the season. They won one twenty-one to one twenty. The- I actually remembered Baze's outfit more than the shot. Really? He was wearing like a vest with nothing underneath. So and I was like, oh, I kind of remember. So Baze this was that. one of the first nights, and and Shea like made big headlines for this one. People were really talking about Shea because he had forty-two, six and seven in this one, and it was one of his like best individual scoring nights of the season and was just unbelievable in that game and like hit the game winner kind of carried the the team the entire season or the entire game and that was that was a big one for Shea and the Thunder so that's also a nomination I can't believe you don't remember that that was a big one I'm sorry I'm sorry that was a big one yeah, um he- okay so Luke you got a lot of uh you hours of basketball to watch <laughs> So report back. Let us know which one was the best. Yeah. Shea had multiple 40-point games. His season high was 44. I think he did that twice. 
did it against Portland. Um, and then I think he did it. I think he maybe did it against the Pelicans. Yeah, and against the Pelicans, which in a game that they lost. 44, 10, and 6 against the Pelicans. But, yeah, there's some rewatchable games. Let us know. Uh, you can let us know in the chat. The 150-point game from uh, Ball Punyon. Uh, yeah, that, Celtics. That, I, I looked at that game. That game is just so ridiculous. It's like it turned into not a basketball game at some point. I mean, it is very fun just to see the, the Thunder just completely obliterate a team. But it did feel like a little exhibition-y at some point because it was just so stupid. Yeah. Um, but they scored a lot of points. There was yeah. another game, too, I was looking at. Oh, the the Clippers game towards the end of the season. Yes, I was about to, I was about to bring this up. Because this, but that was then I one. looked at the box score, and I saw that OKC shot 27% from three, and the Clippers shot 19%. And I was like, that doesn't sound like a good watch. Well, it's just the, uh, the end of it. Where, the end of it is great. Yeah. But it sounded, looking at the box score, the rest of the game was disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, Shea had 30, J-Dub had 20, but then like everybody else seemed to really struggle uh, in this one. But yeah, just like the, the, the heroics from Dort in that game were just unbelievable. That was so much fun to watch. He also injured uh, PG, not on purpose, obviously, but P- that was the game PG got injured in. Yep, yep. But he still played 34 minutes, so it wasn't like a fluke win. I mean, yeah. PG still was out there for most of the game. Yeah. Yeah, the way that Lou locked down Kawhi. And it was funny, I remember we podcasted about it probably the next morning, where they were Kawhi was so concerned with getting Lou off of him and getting the giddy switch that he didn't get a shot off before regulation. Like the buzzer went off before he even shot the ball. Yeah. Um yeah. so that was really fun. Yeah, the uh that I was at that Celtics game. I actually took my kids to that game, and I was super bummed because in that game, Shea got sick like that day and couldn't play. And then it was just it was just a bummer because you thought, okay, now like I remember looking at I took my two older sons and two of their friends, and I looked at them, I was like, sorry guys, like this might be a shellacking from uh, the Celtics. And then it became like a game that I think that they will remember, like in their Thunder fandom, like forever, because they had so much fun. There's so many dunks, so many made threes. It was just such a yeah. a fun atmosphere to be at. But it's hard for me to nominate a game like that as rewatchable, similar to why I picked that last Jazz game, just because I want to watch the best players be at their best. You know if I'm going to rewatch something, I don't necessarily want to go and see just kind of like this fluky game that even though like the Thunder played really well, I don't necessarily want to watch a game that is not like replicable. Like I want to see like a glimpse into the future of like what these guys can be. Yeah. Um, okay. So there was a question on Reddit that I liked from uh, big daddy Juno what was an NBA opinion that was once seen as unpopular, but is now widely accepted? Yeah. And so I, I asked uh, people on Twitter, listeners, what is a Thunder-centric answer for this question? What is a Thunder opinion that was once seen as unpopular, but is now widely accepted? I mentioned earlier, the one that for me immediately popped to mind was how we thought about Shea. And there was a, a few people uh NBA Trio K saying Shea is the franchise player uh, at Sam Presti GM. SGA is the timeline. 
uh, <laughs> at WD underscore sports guy. SGA is a first team All NBA caliber caliber player. Yeah. And then, uh, and this one I think really sums it up well. At K Bellinger twelve, SJ was more of a Robin than a Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there was so much talk, and I'm mainly thinking about you and me. Yeah. About like, you know, what player on a championship team, ex best player on a championship team, is Shea? And it felt like over the course of both the the triple guard year and then the next year, it was like. Yeah, like maybe he could be like the third best player on a championship team. Then it was he could be the second best player in the championship team. And then we eventually got to the point. Um, and I, I definitely know that there are Thunder fans who were higher on Shea, like from the jump, mm-hmm. who, who, who were saying these things, whether it's as simple as like he could be an all star. I don't know if anyone was saying like he could be a legit MVP candidate, which he was last year. I mean, he was fifth in MVP voting. Yeah. I don't remember anyone saying that. But if you had said that, that would definitely have been unpopular yeah. uh, back when he first showed up in OKC. And it is now definitely wide accept, widely accepted. So that was the first one that came to my mind, and a lot of other people shared that as well. So I thought that was a good one. Yeah, that's a really um, good one. Because, I mean, I think that we pushed back on that quite a bit, thinking that like the best player on the Thunder is going to be one of these draft picks in the next you know two or three years. Yeah, you know? yeah definitely. And... It really wasn't. I mean, I think we st- still thought that maybe it was going to be. And and the truth is, it's not. It's unlikely, but it's not impossible that like one of these guys becomes like the best player on the team. You know, but I still it'll probably end up being Shea just because the the bar to become like All NBA first team is pretty ridiculous. And if you had multiple players that do that, then you're going to be a title contender. But like if J Dub or Chet or even Giddy became like a really great player in this league, like they're all still young enough to where things could change. But obviously, like Shea is the guy. Um, a more recent one <clears throat> at Evan ETM said playing without a true center. Yeah, I think that's that was. Yeah, I think we were some of us. Me, were maybe a little too obsessed with like finding another center over these last few years and then seeing how well they perform with Kenrich as a small ball center last year, I do feel like it has become much more accepted that like Chet might just be the only center on this team yeah. going forward. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens with uh, my guy Garuba or someone like Jay will sure, you know, playing a backup role, but it will be interesting to see how many of their non Chet minutes are small ball minutes yeah um, because they did have so much success and i think people would be more open to that now than they might have been a, a you know a year ago even yeah i mean the league is just leaning skill and the problem with a lot of these bigs is that they're just most of them aren't skilled and that's why like you hear the calves are willing to trade jared allen and like the hawks would love to get rid of clint capella and like Nurkic is probably a different case just because he has a bloated contract and isn't very good anymore. But there's just all these bigs that are available that could be had and nobody wants them, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and so that's why I, that's why I would like pump the brakes on Walker Kessler, like because Kessler doesn't pass and he can't shoot, you know, and he's a really good defender and that's great. And I think he'll have a good career. I think he'll play in the league for a long time. But the league is just leaning away from those kind of players that are just like drop coverage bigs that don't really do anything else well. And 
I just that's and the Thunder are definitely like pushing all toward that. You know, they have got all these big guards. They've got Chet. They have a guy like Jay Will, who is like a legitimately good passer from the big man position. I think you have to have some kind of like elite skill on offense, whether that's passing or shooting or whatever it is, in order to make it as a big. And like obviously Embiid and Jokic and all those guys like that are going to exist in whatever league, you know, it is. But just your run of the mill center that we've thought of for years and years and years, I just wonder if those guys like start to fade away. Just like I mean, for years there were just guys that made it in the league because they were big. Just because they were massive guys. And a lot of that was like they some every team needed some like Shaq kind of stopper. And the guys that stopped him the best or at least came close to it were just massive dudes that were super strong. And slowly those guys just didn't make the league anymore. Like we see a guy like Namias Keda who just got signed by the, uh, the Kings. Like he's not going to play a lot for the Kings, but back in the day, a guy like that would have maybe started in the NBA just Mm -hmm. because he's massive. And like those guys, you don't do it anymore. So like, unskilled big men I think are going to start be a thing start to be a thing of the past too and some of that is just the way that guys train is that there's going to be less of those guys that make the league just because there's going to be more big guys that are skilled in the league um, you see it with Chet you see it with Wimby like those are like the beginning of of something that I think is going to be real in the league where just you have these big guys that can kind of do everything yeah I think there will always be a place for someone like Kavon Looney um, but you know, his, his future is probably in most games playing like, you know, 15 max. Yeah. Like a backup a center. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, he gets like, he is their starter, but he isn't, you know, usually in their closing lineups. Yeah. Um, so there, I think there's always a place for those guys, but yeah, like in terms of what you're actually doing at the end of the games, it's, it's probably true. It's probably true. Yeah. Uh, at Thunderfan96, Melo should have come off the bench. <laughs> I would say that that would have been very unpopular uh, back at the start of the OK3 season. It would have sounded crazy. I mean, it was brought up to Melo and sounded crazy, but it's not like any of us really would have agreed with that at the time. We, I remember at the time thinking, like, that is kind of a weird question. Why would Melo come off the bench? Yeah. Who else? Who is going <laughs> to start over Melo? That's crazy. Turns out we but had by the end of Grant this, on that team. And I know, but by the end of the season, it was like, he, oh, he obviously should have been coming Yeah, he needs to come off the bench. It would have been a great role for him. And yeah, had he, and he, and he obviously was just unwilling to accept it, which is why they had to train him after the season. And I, I remember sitting next to Fred during that press conference at the end of the season where he was just, he's just unwilling to even discuss it, which is why they, uh, they found a landing spot for him. And in hindsight, you know, like it's not like Schroeder's like some like incredible player, but like that trade was pretty unbelievable <laughs> to get a like unhappy, you know, to trade an unhappy Carmelo Anthony and get back a player that played very well for the Thunder and, and got them a first round pick. Yeah, it's crazy. Eventually. Yeah, uh, another one that is kind of the same vein where it seems obvious now, but I think it would have been unpopular at the time from at Zach Deeg. Serge should have played the five and Perk off the bench. Like, it's easy for me now to look back at that team and be like, wow, they might have had like the perfect small ball roster at the time. Yeah. 
I don't actually remember a ton of conversation about that at the time. I'm sure there were some smart people who were like, oh man, I wish we could see more small ball with Surge. Yeah. But the idea of like Surge should be the full-time center and Perk should be his backup, that was not a popular yeah. sentiment. Well, the league was still really big at the time. They were, but if they had done that, man, that they should they, they, should, they were they, they were should. big, but they were like a year away from it not yes, being they, that way. I think the only problem is just Serge didn't have necessarily like the skill level. Like he was a good weak side shot blocker, but he was he going to be able to like quarterback the defense from the center position? Like I'm not so sure that he could have done that. Um, so I just wonder like logistically if it could have worked. I think like on paper, like it makes a ton of sense. I just wonder how well it could have worked. Cause you think about the, the small ball centers that like, are incredible like Draymond Green is like one of the smartest defenders to ever play the game you know and like mm-hmm. Serge is like a he's a he's a good player but I just don't think he was like gonna quarterback the defense even Perk was like better at like communication and stuff like that than than Serge was but I get it like I totally get it as to why you would want them to do that and, should, and they should have done it more they should have traded Perk they should have traded for Brooke Lopez you know like they should have done a lot of different things um let's see here a few more uh at twice godly trying to think of something no one else has said ton of people on here in february 2021 they were convinced tail maladon was the point guard of the future lol (laughs) went back and saw some comps between him and tony parker being casually discussed yeah Uh, that was a time now i wasn't in that group but i will tell you at that time i remember coming on the pod and like saying that he was going to be a career backup and feeling bad like not wanting to say that because i knew that it would get pushed back even though like saying teo is going to be have like a long career as a backup point guard was actually like pretty nice thing to say it's actually uh it's actually uh, it turns out one of the kinder things you could have said about him yeah but at the time i like every time i would say it i was like oh man i hope <laughs> i hope there's not teo stands i don't even know if teo stands existed but in my head there were teo stands at the time and i was worried about upsetting them for some reason uh so i i do think that was one. i don't know how many people were that high i i, I mean i remember the tony parker thing just because they had he played for tony parker yeah team he played for his team yeah uh but I don't know how many people actually believe that based on his play. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there were some, though. Yeah, I mean, he had some nice games, but also it, it was in the season of somebody has to score the points, you know? It was. Yes, that, there were a lot of guys we kind of uh, loved that season. Yeah. Shout out Svi. Shout out Svi. Um, Svi. This, <laughs> Svi was really fun. This season. one is a, a good one. At, now, I would not fall into this, but at number 029... Darius Baisley lacked the style to fit with the Thunder's coaching philosophy, and it was inevitable he would be moved on from. Yeah. I think I think that is totally true. And because he was the draft before they really made the switch, because at that time they were still thinking. I mean, I mean, I mean, think Russ was still on the team. PG and Russ were still on the team when they made when they made the pick. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like a much different philosophy. They probably weren't thinking about trading Russ and PG. And so they draft Darius Baisley. And I do think that was the key. Like, he really didn't fit that new Thunder style, which would come in the next draft with guys like Poku or even Teo. Um, and I, I do think that's true. Like, Darius Baisley, like the reason it didn't work out 
one of the reasons it didn't work out is he, he like never really fit what they were going to do going forward. And it was inevitable that he would get be moved on. Um, so yeah, I think that would have been unpopular to say back at the time. Yeah. <clears throat> and there was a time when, sorry, my voice is going crazy. Hold on. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I think, I think some of it too was like when they drafted him, Billy Donovan was still the coach, you know, and they, the first team that he played on and he was decent with yeah. that team was Chris Paul, Schroeder, SGA, Gallo, Steven Adams. Like that was the team, you know, and they were still, I mean, if you look at him and a guy like Terrence Ferguson, like they're not dissimilar as players, you know, like, Theoretically, good defenders. Maybe guys that can, if they can both hit a corner three, then they become valuable players on these like Westbrook led teams. You know, that's those are the kind of guys that Russ liked to play with. We're like uber athletic guys that were like defense first and that could hit open corner threes. And like that's theoretically what like Baisley was going to be and like what Terrence Ferguson was supposed to be. Um, Yeah. And yeah, they don't, neither of them clearly fit and you know i basically's in brooklyn now i don't know how much of a chance that he'll get there just because they have a lot of guys um but i wish i wish him well i hope things go well for for him in brooklyn i hope he gets a chance because i do think he's like a very good he's a good basketball player that i think can be a good defender and can be versatile he just needs the right kind of system and maybe Brooklyn's that. I don't know. Okay, this one, I don't know if it's widely accepted, but it definitely would have been unpopular. Uh, at Ben Vance says, the most obvious answer here is that Presti should have kept Harden and traded Russ. I, yeah. I do think that's probably true, although not for the obvious reason, which is that you know Harden and KD probably make more sense long term. I do have concerns about Harden. I mean, we've seen what he's done in the playoffs. I don't think that keeping Harden and trading Russ is a guarantee of anything necessarily. However, you get way more for Russ if you trade him at that time. Yeah, that's that would be Harden. that would be the thing. It's like you probably do get if you want Beal, like, like you get Beal. Yeah, or like Clay Thompson. You want like, Clay? You maybe Clay. You, maybe you would have gotten one of those guys. That's that's like the that would be the thing that would push it over the top. Is just that. You're you're getting a lot more, and the guys that you, the, the true guys that they went after, they would have gotten them if they traded yeah. Russ. Yeah. Um, but Russ also like people forget how good Russ was during those years, and how he willed them to a lot of wins, like playoff wins. Like, are we sure that James Harden hits all three of those free throws there at the end of that Clippers game? Like, do they make it past the Clippers if James Harden is the one at point guard and not Russ? Like, I don't know. Like, Russ Russ had, like, some serious balls in those games. And Harden, it, he, he shrinks from the moment in almost every single way where Russ just does not. And, yeah. Russ, may, yeah. and Russ is not as skilled as Harden is, but when it comes down to, like, trying to win games... And like try and in just like that pocket of time, like I'm just not convinced that like they would have won many more games if it was Harden instead of Russ. I just, I think that that is some weird hindsight to me. Now, if Harden allowed you to keep Kevin, 
then maybe yes. But also, watching the three of their careers like unfold as we kind of like back away, I just it's don't... It's hard to believe that either of them would have stayed. I just don't think either of them would have... <clears throat> like You really think that both those guys would have stayed in the, in the same franchise when both of them have moved on from many franchises at this point. I think, yeah. I think what the Thunder did... What I think the really mis- I think what the mistake really was was not being willing to take Harden into restricted free agency and willing to take him into that next season. I, yeah. I think they should have taken him into that next season. And you could have seen the improvement. Then you could have traded him for something a lot more, just knowing that he had made a big jump. Or just like running it back and just trying like one more time, taking him into restricted free agency, seeing what the team would do matching, sign and trade, whatever you want to do. <clears throat> but that, to me, was the mistake. It was not keeping Harden over Westbrook. West, Westbrook is he's, he's similar to like a guy like Allen Iverson or somebody where like the, the history is like rewritten on them a little bit as to like what they were. I mean, they won playoff series because of Russell Westbrook at times. So, Definitely. I, I do think it's fair to say that the type of guys they were drafting, it would have been easier if Harden was there. Like, you wouldn't have to worry as much about playing Andre Robertson. Yeah. Because you you would have shooters because Harden would be there. Sure. You wouldn't have to worry as much about playing Robertson and Steven Adams on the court at the same time. Yeah. Like, long term. Like, I do think it would have given them more flexibility, but it I do think it would have been short-lived. I don't think either of those guys would have ended up staying in OKC. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I don't, Blood I don't Phantom eighty one said two thousand sixteen was the last year. I was happy. <laughs> that hey, I saw was this, so much and fun. I want—I want to see. Uh, now, obviously, I, we made a bet on the uh, oh, wow. on the previous pod. Alex, four hundred dollar bet. This is from Kirk T. Who plays more, Bays or Simmons? Man. Whew. Well, first of all, I love betting another four hundred dollars, <laughs> and uh, I might have—I might go Ben Simmons now. I might switch it up. I know I bet <laughs> Isaac last time. I might go Ben Simmons now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably the safer bet, which seems ridiculous, but I do think that's the safer bet there. Um, one more sort of related, but not really. Uh, at underscore Shaquille underscore. Dipping into the luxury tax was almost taboo during the Harden fiasco. It's almost necessary for continued <clears throat> success now. Uh, the second time around, all the main pieces will get paid. I will say, you know, I don't remember. I'm sure there were people defending the Thunder from a financial perspective at that time, uh, like Thunder fans saying, saying like, hey, we're a small market. Like we have to manage finances long term. That would be like very unpopular now. Yeah. Like if they made cost cutting moves or gave up on guys specifically because of tax concerns, I think that would get a lot more heat in 2023 than it would have gotten in 2023. 12 yeah 2012 like, I, I think people were more accepting of that idea because there also weren't as many teams paying the tax and the, even the teams that were paying the tax weren't paying as much yeah and now it's become so much more commonplace True. and it's become like shaquille said like more accepted that you have to do this yeah for continued success and so i think that's a really good one as well yeah i think that's that's a great one yeah i mean if the thunder let go of j-dub over like five million we'd be, bucks or we'd something. Be pissed. We would be in, losing. In fact, I, well, I don't know. I'm so interested in this because 
somebody mentioned the Harden trade just in general, but you know, I always bring up the fact that Royce Young wrote an article right after the the Harden trade, um, like a negative one. Like he he was not a fan of that trade at all. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it would how it would have been perceived by Thunder fans if social media was the way it was now back yeah. in 2012. Because you look around Twitter, and I just happen to notice this because there was some Rockets account yesterday that was saying something. But the sometimes the biggest fan accounts for different teams are the accounts that are like pushing out propaganda for their team every single day, just yeah. nonstop. Oh my gosh! And doing like these like little engagement tweets just to get like their fans talking, kind of like what I did with this tweet. Um, <laughs> but like those tend to be like the biggest fan accounts, and so I almost wonder if the Harden trade did happen, would it actually have more defenders? from Thunder fans nowadays just because there feels like so much more incentive and pressure to like defend your team outside of a few fan bases. Like I think of the Knicks are very willing to like crap on their team. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bulls fans who have just like been worn to the ground. Like there are fan bases where it is more accepted to be negative about your team. But I think for a lot of teams right now in social media, it feels like there is kind of like this bubble that forms around each team. And yeah. Like you want to be positive and you don't want to be the person that's saying the negative thing. Yeah. And I think after everything we've gone through over these last couple of years where Presti really has looked like a genius with yeah. all of his different moves, if there was a move like that, mm-hmm. I actually think the response would be more positive within the fan base than we would expect. Yeah, I think that might be true. Yeah, because there's like this weird competition that's go that goes on. Like Twitter has become like a a competition of who can find the angle where everything is about the thunder and it's very good about the thunder. If it's like a move that like some other team does, be like, well, the thunder did this and this and this and this and this, and it's like, let me you know, let me see if I can get the and, and this from is this, and this is like know? every fan base does this. Every fan base does it. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, these like fan accounts. Are. And, and it's only going to get worse if if Twitter really does start paying people. Like those will become the dominant accounts because yeah, you'll I be know. paid based on engagement. And the things that get engagement right now, oh, I know they like, they like straight up annoy me. <laughs> there's there's this guy, this like I forget his name. He has some Twitter account, but he he's more like music focused. Mm-hmm. But his like whole deal is just doing like prompt tweets, where he'll have some tweet that was like. <laughs> You know, what's the first album that made you fall in love with music or something? Yeah. And of course, he gets a ton of engagement. Yeah. But like, all, and if you just, if that was a one off tweet, okay, fine. Like, yeah, that's an interesting question. Sure. What, what, what do people think? But it's like every fifth tweet is like a prompt like that. And I've, I'm finding like so many more accounts that are doing that. Because yeah. Because it's either like you have to be really good at memes. Yeah. You know, like a, a, Josiah, a Josiah Johnson type of guy. Oh, yeah. Um, where you can come up with those like <laughs> continuously, or you have to like, do these engagement tweets and i feel like twitter is just going to become only that it'll just be like memes and engagement tweets yeah i use those uh, from time to time like just as like genuinely like what are people thinking about yeah like what is like the thunder fan base thing hey but when you're getting paid andrew that's going to start being all your tweets hey uh you're gonna have to can't wait for that to be my job just to ask (laughs) (laughs) thunder engagement questions 
and just raking in the cash with my engagement questions. That X cash. That X cash. Uh, uh, okay, that that was about it. Um, yeah. There were a few other ones. I appreciate everyone who did respond. Yeah, it's great. Um, great, enga- great engagement tweet, Al. <laughs> hey, thanks for helping us get a segment <laughs> out of it. Uh, I did want to bring up one more. Uh, JSN DVS. Uh, who said, uh, I mean, it's got to be Katie is not nice. It was never a popular slogan or sentiment until it became true. I guess he tried to warn us. <laughs> Basically <laughs> saying that, like, Katie is not nice is unpopular because we thought he was so nice. He's so nice. But now it actually makes a lot of sense in retrospect. Like, he wasn't nice. He was not Katie nice. Is, Katie is not nice. He to is us. not nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I like that one. Too. That is a good one. That's a really good one. Uh, okay. Well, it is August 9th, and we still have a while before we hit training camp. We're still going to have podcasts for you guys every week. Uh, if you haven't listened to the the podcast with Mayor Holtz on that drop Monday, uh, you should go listen to that. I Really, like, the whole, like, purpose of me having him on was, like, I wanted to help arm our Thunder contingent with just some reasons why... The, uh, the arena should be built and maybe arguments against like the, the strongest arguments against it. So uh, go listen to that. I thought it was really good. He's, he was great. I thought Marihol was great. So go listen to that. And yeah, we'll be back again on Friday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.